Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. Are we going to be spicy today on the show? Are we spicy? Spicy like some of the excellent food at Jasper's, you mean? Or perhaps the Preds head hockey coach. One of the two. The excellent food and wings, perhaps, during Preds happy hour at Jasper's because the Gold Standard is brought to you by... Jaspers, do you think John Hines would like a gold standard right about now? I think he could use three or four, um, and I don't blame him. We will talk about John Hines' post-game press conference, but mostly we're going to talk about his team. And, uh, of course, here on the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Pay for good journalism at The Athletic. You can follow me, as I mentioned, at Braden Gall. All right, so we'll get into the lineup changes. Did they work in game two? No. May- maybe. You say no. You already answered the question. This is called this is called a tease, Adam, where we set up the conversation for later, and people need to tune in later to find out the answer to the question. We said this was going to be short pods, so there it is. Did a lot of work. No, thanks, thanks everybody for listening. <laughs> Game three on Friday night. Uh, no, we'll get into all that. In fact, we'll play some of spicy John Hines uh, here coming up in just a second, so you can hear. Um, and we can we can do some a mini lamestream version on the show today, Adam. Ooh, where, where we you know judge, I love that. Where we ju- judge the questions and the answers from the post game press conference. But it basically a one nothing loss for the National Predators in Game Two against Carolina, an empty netter, and then a third goal that didn't really matter. Both of those coming in the final sixty seconds. But basically a one nothing game for the entirety of Game Two. I think. First and foremost, I do believe that the Nashville Predators played a far better hockey game. They carried far more of the play. That being said, 1846, that's the number I counted, Adam. I don't know about about you, but 18 minutes and 46 seconds in the first two periods, the Carolina Hurricanes only had four dudes on the ice, and the Nashville Predators did not score a single goal. That's half of the first two periods Carolina was down a man. And Nashville could not capitalize. So they might have played much better, Adam. It did not matter at the end. No. And when the game was five on five, it was closer than it was on Monday. But you can't overlook 0 for 7 on the power play. I asked Roman Yossi after the game, look, we've been bothering you with questions about the power play for years and you're probably sick and tired of having to answer for them. But how does a group with so much talent, allegedly, on the power play fail to score on those opportunities? We talked about this after the Dallas series two years ago. They were 0 for 15 on the power play. You think of all the opportunities they had to score on the power play and how that series could have played out differently if they had scored on even a third of those power play opportunities. Maybe not even a third, maybe a quarter. Um The Predators are 12 for 76 on the power play since the start of the 2018 playoffs. You you mean in the playoffs? In the playoffs. In the playoffs. 2018 playoffs. So starting with the series against Colorado in the first round, the Winnipeg second round series, the Dallas first round series, the Arizona qualifying round series, and this series, they're 12 for 76 on the power play in the postseason. I don't, that's not great, Adam. It's 15 ish percent, I think. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, 15.7. Okay. So, I mean, everybody. That that was the problem on Wednesday. Like, that was the specific problem on Wednesday because if you just get one out of, because six of those were in the first two periods. And if you, and there was a lot of four on four hockey as well. But if you get just one of those six, Mm -hmm. you are basically tied going into the final minute of the game. And the empty netter doesn't happen. 
And maybe they do score, maybe they beat you 2-1, and maybe it's heartbreaking. But I, I would like to think that if you just get one of those, it's it's 1-1 going into the final minute, and we probably have an overtime game. Now, do I like the Preds' chances in overtime against Carolina? No, I don't. But that's better than being down one nothing with 50 seconds to go and having to pull UC Soros. Well, everybody remembers, I think everybody remembers, the five-minute soul-bearing soliloquy that Peter Laviolette <laughs> had after the 2019 season ended talking about how bad the power play was and everything that he tried uh, to do to fix it. Um, and it still hasn't, it still hasn't worked. Whatever, whatever has happened hasn't helped. And the Predators hired Dan Lambert, their assistant coach, specifically for his power play, power play prowess, you know, prowess, whatever you want to say. In the press release they sent out when they hired him, about a, about a half of it was about how good the power play was. Um, it was the WHL, I believe. He was, he was coaching in the WHL at the time. Um, Clearly it translates. <laughs> well, something is – look, UC Soros deserved better last night. He he was so good, and yeah. I think these first two games, but especially last night, has helped us uh, feel better about UC Soros's future in terms of can he handle the pressure of a playoff series? Last year, I know it wasn't great against the Coyotes. There was a lot going on. He had five months off before he played his first playoff game, but in a in a quote unquote normal situation or a closer to normal situation going right from the regular season into the playoffs. He did everything he could last night to keep that game competitive. Think about that save he made in the second. It was the first period, actually the first period on Vincent Trocek on the, on the odd man shorthanded rush. If Trocek scores there, which, that game is over then. Which odd man shorthanded rush are you talking about, Adam? I lost track of all the odd man shorthanded rushes. This is something up. that should also be pointed out. So the Predators had 13 minutes, four seconds of power play time over their seven opportunities last night. They had 10 shots. I think Sebastian Ajo had more shots shorthanded. The Hurricanes had seven shots on the on seven shorthanded shots. And I would venture to guess that all seven of them were more dangerous than the yeah. 10 the Predators took on the power play. No, you see, you see Saros was the best player on the ice. Like that's, he was the best player on the ice. I think Sebastian Ajo was the second best player on the ice. Well, here's, here's what you need to realize. I mean, everybody, you know, not you personally, but every, <laughs> you know, general, the general you needs to realize. The understood. That, you. Look, look around the league right now. Nathan McKinnon had a hat trick last night for the Colorado Avalanche. He has five goals in two games for the Avalanche, which is more than the Predators have scored in two games. When you watch the game, the first game between the Lightning and the Panthers, it was a fabulous game. Um, I think the game of the postseason so far. It was a 5-4, five, five, right? 5-4, back and forth. Yeah. When the Lightning needed a big goal, I'm doing like the politician hand thing right now. I don't know why with the, like the little weird thumbs up kind when, of thing. When the lightning needed a big goal. Am I, am I, am I Bill Clinton? Is that your Bill Clinton? I, I guess well, that's the um, one he did. Well, no, that I didn't put enough Southern stank on it for that, but you, you, yeah. you're, that's the, isn't that what the, isn't that the, I think that's the Bill Clinton hand gesture. Yeah, I think that is. Anyway, 
Um, no one can uh, see it but us. It de- depends on the definition of what, what. What is your definition of is? I think something like that. <laughs> anyway, sorry for getting into politics there for yeah, a second. Yeah. Um, when the when the Lightning needed a big goal, Braden Point delivered on a power play. Excuse me, on a breakaway. On a breakaway. Uh, I, you know, power play on the mind here. Sorry, he delivered on a breakaway with I think under two minutes left. Sebastian Ajo, when when the Hurricanes need an opportunity, when they need a goal, if he's not scoring, he's getting tons of chances. Where are the Predators' alleged stars? Where are they? Like that, like. Well, you didn't notice. I mean, Forsberg obviously scored in a big play in the first game. Yeah. But, you know, I thought I saw a little bit more intensity out of Johansson in game two, but I did not see anything from the top line. The Mikhail Grandin line was slightly better, but still didn't see a whole lot of them. Obviously, Callie Yarncroke, who, of course, is the best player on the team at this point. All he does is score goals, kill penalties. You know, basically, he does everything. He wins face-offs if you need him to. He'll probably, you know, wax your car. But, like, he was late scratch. They did put Ellie Tolvanen into the lineup. And he, he we talked about this last episode. And, and the best the Preds power play has been in the last four years was when Ellie Tolvanen was with that group and fully healthy, and it was the most dangerous power play in the league for a, a chunk of time there. And all the fans wanted to point to the lineup changes. They went too heavy. They went too heavy. John Hines got snippy after the first game, and they were too heavy. Well, he added Benning to give some speed on the back, th- the final third of the pairing, defense pairing, which I think was the right move. And they brought in, of course, Ellie Tolvanen. W- what, what did that get you? You had seven opportunities, and you accomplished nothing. Uh, Ellie Tolvanen is clearly not the same player that he was before the injury. I, I and this, I guess we can, I, I don't know if you have any comments on the line, the, the lineup changes. No, I like, I think at the end of the day, was it, is it Dennis Green? We, they are what we thought they were. Yeah. Like yeah. nobody expected the Predators to really give the Hurricanes a scare. I mean, we like maybe, maybe I am guilty of this a little bit too. But I looked at the game they played that Saturday night in Nashville where they clinched a playoff spot and said, okay, if the Predators can play like this, they might stand a chance. Or, you know, and by stand a chance, I mean not get their asses kicked. But it's clear that the Hurricanes are a vastly superior team. It does not matter who's in the lineup for the Nashville Predators if they are a if they are an inferior team compared to their opponent. And we all knew that. That's why everybody picked the the Hurricanes to win this series, including us. Now it's like we 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 I think we both said six. Did you say six? I, I said six five? and and 16 out of 16 ESPN experts all picked Carolina and only Barry Melrose picked it to go seven. Every, every all 16 of them picked Carolina in six or less except for one guy. I I gave the I I gave the Hurricanes six games because I thought Maybe UC Saros will steal a game and they'll play a game similar to the one they played that Saturday night and make it interesting. And UC Saros gave them that opportunity last night. He could have stolen that game, but but his teammates didn't help out. If if your goaltender plays a near-perfect game, you hold the best team in the NHL record-wise to one goal and you have seven power play opportunities, that's the one you're supposed to win. Exactly. That's the game you're supposed to steal or win or whatever. The, The... the point is like, <laughs> like deep breath. It's, no, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time putting this into words. Like this core group 
like the, uh, the, it, right. should, it should be so much it should be so much better like look at look at look at a player like ryan johansson ryan johansson has the build of a player that you want in the nhl he's big he's skilled you know that's the kind like if you're if you're building the the physique of a hockey player you look at someone like ryan johansson but for a player with that size and and who's clearly naturally talented like he he plays so small sometimes. Like well, well, let's let's save the entire big picture. Is I'm not this, just picking on Ryan Johansson here. I know, they, I know. Let, let's save. Let's save, let's save the you know the autopsy of the core of this group of predators. We have a long time during the off season to discuss that. So let's. Save I mean, we've that. already started discussing let's it. That's all we did in February and March. I know. I know. About. I know, and 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 it, you know, let's just let's just hold off on that for a second because we still have to re- we still have to hear from John Hines in just a second. So, um, speaking of like, what more can they do? Um, and and some of the commentary about UC Soros, John Hines got a little chippy last night. I, we will have like a mini media evaluation of the questions and the coach uh, after this. But here's a couple minutes of John Hines' press conference from last night after Game Two on Wednesday night. I would say right now, you know, they're they're heavy pressure kill. And you know they force you to be able to uh, to be able to make plays under pressure and 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 quick ones. And I think uh, you know we, we're we're a pressure kill too. But I think they find a way to be able to release pucks and make that next play to be able to to be able to get a set or get us stopped on the on on the pressure. And that's you know I think we have to we have to do a better job getting into the zone number one. And the second one is we've got to do a better job of making that next play to stop the pressure and if you do that then you're going to be a little bit more successful here Joe Rexford John we talk a lot in these playoffs about goalie stealing games did you think that Soros played one of those games and that it was basically squandered tonight is that is that you is that Joe could you hear me you got me yeah did you ask if our if if our goalie stole the game or their goalie well, no. What I was saying was was Saros's performance tonight, sort of a classic, you know, goalie stealing a game in the playoffs. You know that obviously you didn't win, but it was, you know, what about this the squandering of his performance? I thought our team played well. Steve Lyman, John, when you're down 2-0, and obviously there were a few mistakes in in game one, and then tonight the the power play rose. What do you hang your hat on, or, or what do you take as a positive to to get some? I guess positive mojo going into game three. Regarding what? Just the way you're just the way you're playing. How do you how do you take a positive or, or have a positive mentality going into game three? I you know, I I think the last two questions, like, did we watch the same game? You know, I I think when you look at the hockey game, we played a pretty good game. I thought their their goaltender made some really good saves. We had good looks. I think you look at shot attempts, you look at shots, you look at offensive zone time, you look at how the game was played. We've got to do a better job on the power play. But I think the last two questions, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of good things that come in the game. We're in a series. We're a better team than we were uh, in the first night. We obviously know the power play has got to be better. Uh, but I think there's a lot of positive going in, going out of this game and then coming home. So here, here's my here's my reaction to this. I know in in real time, Adam, on Twitter, everyone can just like overreact all they want to, and there's no real repercussions. Like, 
oh, John Hines is a fool. John Hines looks totally lost. Is he totally tone deaf? Is he was he watching the same game, which I think actually he just said, like we can criticize, you know, Joe Rexroad's question or, you know, whatever. I, I just to me, this is very simple. Could could you ask? But could everybody in the media be asking better questions across the board? Yes, we all could be asking better questions. Uh, I'd like to think I would ask better questions than some of those questions, they, but they're not out of bounds. They're not unfair. They're not, you know, illegitimate. They're not some sort of like gotcha question. They're just questions and they're fair questions to be asked of, a, of, of a, a, the head coach of the professional hockey team that has just been beaten by three goals for the second consecutive time. I am also okay with the head coach of the hockey team who's down to nothing in a series who clearly is frustrated. And in my opinion, the reason is frustrated has no answers. And it's not even necessarily his fault that he has no answers because the roster is what it is. The team is what it is. David Poyle put it together. His coaching staff is what it is. At this point, you're not going to change who they are. That's a frustrated coach after a frustrating loss down to nothing in a playoff series, pissed off and showing a little emotion after a game. I just don't have an issue with any of it. I think it's a giant nothing burger. I thought th- I thought it was a nothing burger after the first game. I thought it was a nothing burger after the second game. I think it's just both sides doing their jobs. And my takeaway is that John Hines knows he does not have an answer for Carolina in that dressing room. And that is the bigger issue for Preds fans, in my opinion, not how he handled the questions. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Let's so let's I'll try to uh, do a better job of organizing them than I did earlier. <laughs> So it was definitely dunk on John Hines time after the game last night on social media. Everybody came out of the, the woodwork to uh, criticize John for the way he answered those questions. Now, our dear friend Joe Rexroad has acknowledged that perhaps he could have worded his question a little bit differently. Yeah, he took some heat from the wife, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, his his uh, he said his, his wife, wife is apparently a tough crowd. Yeah, he no talks kidding. About her all the time, giving him so much crap for the things he does, not just in terms of his I, work in life, I guess. I I heard his question and I knew exactly what he meant. It was a little right. antagonistic to me, but I heard exactly what he said and I heard exactly what he meant and I knew exactly what he meant the first time he asked it. I don't think it was an unfair question. This is the this is the issue with Zoom. Um, so so Joe wrote a column after game one and uh, dear reader, Jeff D on the athletic, you know, went into his, the Nashville media is Charmin soft rant um, in the (laughs) comments section. And look on zoom, you can't really press people because the way the zooms work, at least for the predators, some teams that do it differently is that you ask the question, so, you know, who's ever running the Zoom call, which is usually Nick Barnowski, he, he you know, he unmutes the person that he calls on to ask the question. But, but our cameras are off. Our, our cameras are off. So the, John so and the, the players. Subjects, and this is the same for the Titans. The subjects cannot see who's talking. Which is not, you know, which is not uniform around the NHL. There are teams that have the cameras on so that the players can see who's asking the question. The Predators do not have that. Um, so the, the question asker is unmuted to ask his or his or her question and then is immediately muted. So there really is, there isn't a chance for follow natural follow-ups immediately as there would be 
in a face-to-face -face situation. So the Zoom situation last night, you know, John, Joe asks his question and then there's like this weird, like silence. And then John goes, is that Joe? Like, I don't know if it was because he couldn't hear or maybe he was incredulous that it was Joe Rexroad who was asking that question. Perhaps John thinks better of Joe than the question that he it was asked. A, it was a bit antagonistic, but could and could have been worded better. But I still want to know, like, what do you, what do you think of the fact that UC Saros played great and you missed your opportunity? Like, right. I still and I still think that's an important thing to talk to a coach I think about. The, I think most fans have an issue with the second question in that in that particular part of the. Um, press conference from our friend Steve Lehman um, asking, you know, um, what, well, I can't remember exactly what his question was. Basically like, how do you create some positivity or something like that? Right, I'm, I'm paraphrasing like here, but like, I, I think it's kind of a, I think it's kind of a softball question. Honestly, I don't really think there's, I mean, it's again, a, I love, it's I love Steve, but like TV question. Exactly. It's, it's TV guy. A typical TV question, which is, you know, it's just, which is not Steve's fault. He has a job to do. And and those are the kinds of questions that help get the the sound bites that the TV people need. I I don't fault I don't fault him for that. 100%. But it was John's it was John's response to that question. Did we watch the same game that really irked people? Now, I wouldn't have answered the question that way, but you could tell that John was clearly frustrated, and it wasn't so much. I mean, I think it was a lot of things. He was frustrated, probably at his team for not taking advantage of seven power plays. He, he, I think he's frustrated. He's also frustrated too at, at us, at the, at the reporters, because you could tell after the first game, he was defensive about the questions on the lineup. And, and I, you know what? I like a little fire from, from the head coach. Yes, um, it's not so a bad thing. I, so I'm not, I'm, I don't fault John for, for being spicy last night, you know, I, I think. Adam, know, look, look, you're married. I am married. We have wives. There are occasions where our wives are upset or frustrated about other things in their lives. And they then take it out on us when we ask maybe a silly or stupid question occasionally. And that is no different than this. He is pissed off because his team is down to nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes in the playoffs, and he has no answers to beat them. And so what happens is, just like when your wife is frustrated after a long day of work or whatever, it, yours is pregnant, she's got some, she's, she's upset, she's pissed off, she's had a bad day. And you come in and you're like, you ask a completely innocuous question about something totally different, and your head is gone because she has bitten it off. And that is just... And that happens, you know, the same thing for me. If I've had a bad day and my wife comes in and is like, well, hey, what about the, did you mow the lawn? And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. You know, like that, that is, that is a normal human thing that can happen. And I'll I tell do. you how I answer those questions. Have you ever seen the movie Knocked Up? You don't do the voice, do you? No, I don't do the voice, but I will do it in a second. Do you, do you ever <laughs> see the movie? Have you ever seen the movie Knocked Up? With yeah, of course. With Rogan and Catherine Heigl. Yeah, yeah. There's the scene where they're driving to, I guess, like the OBGYN. And, and Seth Rogen says to Catherine Heigl, fuck you, hormones, not you, Allison, <laughs> hormones. That's pretty much my answer to Bridget yes. whenever she gets sad. Yes. I, I go, fuck you, hormones, not Bridget, <laughs> hormones. Um, 
I mean, I, to me, like, I just, I just don't think it's that big of a deal that John Hines is frustrated as a professional hockey coach when his team loses playoff games. Like, I just but don't you're think seeing a lot of John Hines is in over his head. He's a terrible coach. I hope they get swept so he gets fired. People seem to forget. And look, I, I have said this many times. I have been accused of being a water carrying John Hines apologist. I think that John Hines deserves some credit for this turnaround that got them into the playoffs in the first place. You know, yes, UC Soros played out of his freaking mind for two months, and that helps a lot. But John Hines needed to get the buy-in from this team to play the way that they did in the second half of the season. So is John Hines an infallible coach who can do no wrong? Absolutely not. John Hines is nope is not perfect by any stretch, but it seems I feel like people have have forgotten the good that he did to get this team to this place at all. If if so, Jesus if Jesus was standing behind the bench with Wayne Gretzky as his assistant, well Wayne Gretzky was a shitty coach, so maybe I, not. I know I'm just that's why I made him the assistant. Jesus is the head guy, <laughs> but, but you get my point, right? Like, is it, it the greatest coach in the history of the world? Are they beating Carolina? Is is there something that John Hines is missing in this series? And we can kind of spin this forward to Game Three and Four here in Nashville. Uh, we will have a reaction pod after Game Four on Monday morning. I am driving eight hours on Saturday morning following the game, so no reaction pod from us. Uh, in game three, but we could have a very long conversation on Monday after game four, should they lose all of them? Um, the, the question is, is what, what, I mean, maybe he needs to be motivating the stars on this team better. I don't, I don't know. That's the only thing I can come up with. I don't know what the greatest coach in history does with this roster, because the, the reason they are down to uh, nothing to Carolina to me is the, is the players. Like the players aren't good enough, at least in my opinion. Is that wrong? No, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. Like I was saying before, in other series so far, you've seen top players, star players, do what they're supposed to do. You've seen it from Nathan McKinnon. You've seen it from Braden Point. You've seen it from Steven Stamkos or Nikita Kucherov. You've seen it from um, Sebastian Ajo in this series. You've, you've seen it from, you saw it from Jordan Stahl. In Brad, game Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand, Taylor Hall. You know who the Predators could really use right now? Craig Smith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to say that to piss people off. Well, you, uh, you, it's a lot easier to score goals when Pasternak and Marchand are ahead of you on the on the depth chart. Yes, it is. But my point is that this this is an indictment, I think, of, you know, we'll get into this, the larger question, but just to wrap it up, this is an indictment of this core group. It, it, it just is like, it's just not working anymore. And we'll see if they have the testicular fortitude to borrow Mick Foley's term to step up and, and, and try to make this a series at home. But if they don't, then I think we've learned everything we need to know about this group. Yeah. And then it becomes a David Poyle problem. It, it, it is all traces back to David Poyle. Cause I like, again, is there some t- motivational tactic that John Hines is John Hines is not deploying? Hoynes. Yeah, John Loins that he's not deploying with these stars that could get them motivated. I, I don't know. Like I don't. I, I'm not an expert in that world, so I don't know. Maybe there is, and we just aren't missing it. And that is John Hines' fault then. But when when teams win and they score all these great goals, we all say, "Look at the star power." Well, when they don't score any goals, it's not all of a sudden somebody else's fault. You know, like it, it's. And I'm not saying that the players are bad. I'm saying that the team isn't talented enough relative to Carolina. 
That's all. That's it. And guess what the regular season standing showed us? Guess what the regular season series showed us? Like, like none of this is rocket science. It's unfortunately for Preds fans, it's not that complicated. And uh, it is what it is. So game three and four combo preview here, Adam. I do think the Preds will take one. How about that? I think they'll get one. Which one? Probably three. And then they lose four. I could also see him being down three, nothing back against the wall. Bridgestone is fired up. I think the crowd's going to help a lot with this particular team. I think they feed off the crowd, which is something they desperately need. I think Raleigh, uh, who who would have figured that <laughs> Nashville and Raleigh was the best crowded, the best series in the NHL from a crowd perspective, you know, in the first round. The Canadians can't have fans yet, at least. That's, that's true. Um, so I think, I think they'll win one and I think they, I, I'll take it down one notch. I think Carolina wins in five. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I I can't I can't imagine a sweep. Like I think the Predators will figure it out at least one time, you know, to keep this series from being a sweep. This is the first time, by the way, that the Predators have trailed a series 0-2 since the 2017 Stanley Cup final. They ended up winning the two games at Bridgestone to tie the series. I don't expect that to happen this time, but I'm just throwing it out there. And part of the reason was Pekka was brilliant. UC Saros could absolutely do that. So, all right. Enjoy games three and four. We'll be back. On, we'll be back on Monday morning to recap the weekend. Uh, Adam, pay for everybody out there. Pay for good journalism. Follow Adam Bingen at Adam Bingen. Uh, you can follow me at Braden Gall on the Twitters as well at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Go to Jaspers. They have a great happy hour for Preds fans. 4 to 6 p.m. every day and during Preds games while there are a couple left. So so go this weekend. You have at least two more opportunities to take advantage, so why don't you do it? It's a great menu, great free parking. If you're not going to the games this weekend, go to Jasper's and check it out. Especially Sunday. Sunday, 1.30 p.m. start here in Nashville. Oh, great. It's awesome. Fantastic. Why don't you hit up Jasper's for some brunch? You know, have there a boozy brunch, then uh, trek down West End slash Broadway and go to the game. There you have it. Go to Jasper's. For Adam Bingham, my name's Braden Gall. Let's hope the Preds can get one W this weekend. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.